Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that proudly gives you the alternative facts to all aspects of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories including some transport reflections on the Western Australian election and will Uber survive? We have an interview with Ian Christensen, who heads the new iMove Cooperative Research Centre, which has just received some federal government funding for ways to make traffic flow faster. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including the New South Wales government released some old road safety films. What do we learn from these about road safety, but also about the values of the time? Have a question or a comment, send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Let's get started. Let's have the news. The federal government has invested over $150 million in four new cooperative research centres, or MRCs. They represent very diverse areas. One is for high-performance soils, one is for honeybee products, and one is for food agility. But over a third of the money will go to the new iMove Cooperative Research Centre, which will explore digital and evolving vehicle technologies to help traffic to flow more smoothly. The iMove Centre has already assembled 46 commercial, research and government partners prepared to contribute a further $178 million in cash and in-kind contributions over the grant period of 10 years iMove will develop systems that harness the growing amount of real-time information available from cars, trucks, public transport vehicles and even personal smartphones, with the aim of smoothing traffic flows, prioritising commercial freight operations and making the best use of the country's multi-billion dollar road infrastructure. Transport was a significant issue in the West Australian election, which has now seen a change of government and some analysis suggests it was most significant in marginal seats. Like most transport policy debates, a considerable amount of coverage was given to a few big projects. One such project was the Row Highway Extension, known as Row 8, an east-west link to the south of Perth, which was promoted as improving both commuter and freight access. Contracts have been let by the previous government and now there are reports on cancelling these which has raised the spectre of compensation. We talk about the need for hierarchy but we argue as though new projects are the only real issue. It is detrimental to our profession when the transport debate within the political spectrum is a range of mode specific generalities and major projects which have no stability in how they are planned and how they are implemented. Ride-hailing company Uber, which came onto the scene in 2009, appears to be the classic disruptive business that will have a huge impact on transport. Uber is now becoming a generic term for the ride-hailing industry model, but we should not assume that the business model is totally stable, nor that ride-hailing will go away if Uber stumbles. There have been consistent reports of the possible demise of Uber. Bloomberg reported that Uber burned through $3 billion in cash in 2016 on top of about $2 billion in 2015. Recently, the organisation seemed to be imploding, but it has a big war chest and many are betting that it won't fall over. Transport planners have to think about what happens if the disruptors are disrupted. 
and we need to work with businesses to ensure that financial returns and community values are both considered. At a major transport conference last year, an international expert lamented that transport planners often see the future they want as being always ordered and controlled. But the future is not governed only by regulations and plans. Market forces that tap into consumer emotions and needs can produce interesting results. Bike share schemes are always portrayed as neat modern bikes in docking bays. But in Austin in America, there is a much more no-frills bike-sharing scheme. A company called Spin has a lock-anywhere QR-coded system activated by a phone app. They are, at startup promising a dollar-per-ride deal. They claim that traditional bike-sharing schemes can cost up to $5,000 per bike per year. All this scheme needs is more standard bike racks. In Singapore, the bus operator Tower Transit is adding a scent with hints of rose and peppermint to a hundred of its buses to try and improve the quality of the ride and encourage more people to use their services. But this is not a first. Dunkin' Donuts in South Korea installed technology in buses in Seoul that released the smell of coffee whenever the company advertisement played through bus speakers. Many years ago, a transport planner said that public transport will never be as good as driving alone in your car until you can pass wind on a bus or train and not be embarrassed. Perhaps this is the way to motor quality. The federal government has invested $151.5 million in four new cooperative research centres. They represent very diverse areas. One is for high-performance soils, one is for honeybee products, and one is for food agility, whatever that is. But over a third of the money will go to a new iMove CRC, which will explore digital and evolving vehicle technologies to help traffic to flow more smoothly. It's not just about passenger cars, but also, of course, about freight. Ian Christensen is the uh, CEO of Accelerate Australia, and he led the bid for the iMove CRC, uh, and he joins us on the line to tell us all about it. Ian, your company is not doing all of the CRCs. It's just focusing on the transport one? Yes, we put together a bid to work with companies and organisations to improve the mobility of people and freight, and we'll be setting up a new cooperative research centre focused just on that area. You have worked one called an auto CRC for a while. Was that along similar lines? Is this just the next model, which is better? (laughs) Well, yes, I have been involved with the Automotive Cooperative Research Centre. for. I've been involved with it for the last seven years, and it's been going all together for for 12 years. So there's been work in this sort of uh, in the automotive space for quite some time but that was focused on other issues like making cars lighter and making more use of electric motors and uh, better batteries and uh, things like that the mobility crc is a completely new crc and it's focused on the things that cars are used for which is actually moving people and freight around so we're tackling the sort of more challenging and broad based questions of congestion and of road and city design and of 
public transport effectiveness and of freight efficiency around the nation. Car companies proclaim that their cars are better, lighter, stronger and so on, but they would tend to keep that sort of information to themselves. You're now bringing together organisations. Is there room in a competitive world for this cooperative, a sense of community? Yes, in fact, I, I would suggest that the only way to solve our traffic challenges is for a cooperative approach between vehicle drivers and road authorities and regulatory authorities and uh, freight organisations. It can't be solved by car drivers alone. It can't be solved by road authorities alone. It has to be done to a degree in a joint fashion. Having said that, it's always you know, it's impossible to do a project with, uh, with a thousand parties all participating. So the, CR, the way the CRC works is to take parts of the problem and, and form small groups of organisations who then work together collaboratively or cooperatively on that part of the problem. In the past, we talked about access across all modes. In a way, we used to think about that as just cars, buses and trains, yet you've got to bring in now a whole pile of different skills and different professions in terms of technology and digital technology. I presume that's a much broader task now than what we may have seen in the past. Yes, you're precisely right. The opportunity in front of us comes because these days nearly everyone has a a smartphone in their pocket. So they have the ability, or the smartphone potentially has the ability to look up the timetables of the train, the bus, and the Uber and the taxi and and anything else and actually work out for you on the spot what's the best way to deal with things. Now, of course, that can only happen if some smart people have put together the algorithms and the programs and the apps to make all this work. So there is a there's a kind of a new task uh, in front of us to connect all the data that's coming from these different modes, the bus, the train, the tram and what have you, into functional apps or, or, or processes that pull all that data together to serve individual travellers. I think the important point about that is that we don't get blown away with technology. The AITPM newsletter just had an article from our one of our platinum sponsors, Traffic, that said that data can be a kilometre wide but only a millimetre thick. We need to be making sure that we're not just swamped by numbers but we're actually converting that into practical and real advantages to customers. You're absolutely right and you see a sort of a progression of effort in in that regard. So for instance most public transport vehicles now already in in some way broadcast or make available their their speed and position but uh, you and I typically have to just depend on the published timetable to work out when the vehicle is going to arrive. So we think it's, uh, it would be entirely helpful if, in addition to the, the, the timetable arrival time for the, for the train, we actually knew when it was actually likely to arrive today, uh, this morning, because it might be running you know, two minutes late or two minutes early. It's the choice of data that we use that is important here. So we want to move from, for example, timetable data to real-time data. Where I want that particularly is when I'm sitting at a bus stop reading a book, I don't have to keep putting my head up 
to see if it's my bus that's coming. I'd love my phone to ding at me. A bus went sailing past me the other day because I didn't get up and wave it down in a bus stop that has a lot of different buses going to it. So it doesn't have to be super clever. It's just solving a very earthy, practical problem. That's exactly right. And all the issues that iMover are going to tackle are, at one level, they're, they're earthy problems. It's step by step. We have to improve the quality of the information that you sitting on the bus stop can get from, from currently nothing to something that warns you that, okay, the bus is going to be here in two minutes and then ding, the bus that's actually pulling up now is your bus. Ian, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. It's a pleasure, David. Uh, we're very happy to help and uh, interested in any, any sort of feedback or input that your uh, servers want to, w- would like to make. I appreciate that greatly, and I'm sure the Australian Institute of Traffic Planning and Management would like to take up that interaction, that dialogue that could come from that. Thank you again. And that was Ian Christensen, who is the CEO of Accelerate Australia. He also led the bid for the iMove Cooperative Research Centre that has now been funded by the federal government with an aim to explore digital and evolving vehicle technologies to help traffic to flow more smoothly. This is Overdrive across Australia. And we're back again uh, for the quirky news stories. And again, once again, we're joined by Brian Smith. Go, Brian. G'day, David. Uh, Brian, you saw those old films, the New South Wales Road Authority, the RMS. They've just released more of their historic films on road safety. Now, the thing about them is they use some common scenarios to make their point, although they seem to involve some rather dangerous stunts, I would have thought. Uh, you've watched this, Brian, and it's got people crossing the road and, and walking and all that. Uh, did you find them convincing road safety messages? They're pretty outdated, but uh, I have to say a couple of them interested me a lot. The first was the, the idea of teaching people to use marked pedestrian crossings, and these were, I think, a new concept around the time these were introduced in the late 50s, early 60s. Um, and I have to say the very first demonstration that they gave of some people stepping onto that mark crossing with a car stopping as they are required to do, that car was coming in at about 60 kilometres an hour and really had to haul on the anchors. I thought to myself, they're surely actors. You know, This is not live in the field. They've, they've organised this and decided that this is a safe thing to do. Later on, there's a... Uh, there's one of those sort of drive steadily and safely kind of ads where uh, which involves a, a kind of a hairstyle, um, and not something on your head, but the style of the hair versus the tortoise, um, who, who sort of dives in and out of traffic and overtakes. Now, some of those overtaking moves in this video with ancient old cars with drum brakes and no seatbelts, no safety stuff were frightening. Mm. Cars making very, very close manoeuvres at what looks like about 60 miles an hour. So <laughs> I, was, I was stunned by them. But I have to say my favourite was the gentleman receiving a parcel in the mail, the mailbox, and uh, he he sort of says to himself, hmm, this is this booklet that the Commissioner for the <laughs> Red Safety suggested I read. <laughs> he must have bumped into him at the shops. <laughs> <laughs> Or he put, sent you a copy of the latest road guide. You'll find it fascinating. He, he sent in a coupon from the Reader's Digest. 
But the thing about it is, it, I think it says more about the times than it does about road safety. One of them was an old codger abusing a woman for crossing at a location that didn't have a zebra crossing. And he's using and the car to threaten her. And she's yes. standing there, and he's sort of jiggling the car as if to say, "Oh, yeah." And she's standing there in that what that glorious sort of pose with the hands sort of up near her throat, and 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 he's oh, he's acting. Oh, he pushes her back onto the footpath. Yeah, I see. The <laughs> the other one was the guy who collected the parcel was of course watering the garden in his collared shirt and tie <laughs> and tailored tie. trousers, and he's collaring and next it's door. Safer. <laughs> Labour comes up in a collared shirt and tie. He's been doing a bit of gardening. <laughs> well, the other main one, of course, was that they had uh, an interesting scenario of that really weird rule of give way to the right, that even if you're right, on a three-lane major road and a car came Paramount out from... Road, Paramount Road. Paramount Road, yeah. From the smaller side street, they would still have to give way to it if it was if that side street the car was coming on your right. Uh, it looked uh, again the acting of it or the playing out of it needed good stunt drivers, I think, rather than necessarily anyone off the street. Yeah, they used like a platoon of what FB Holden zooming along and. And, yeah, another car just basically storms its way out of the side street and the car that successfully stops and is praised for, um, the driver is praised for complying with this new road rule, nearly collects another sort of two-ton car up the, up the bumper. Don't, <laughs> you've got to see it. You've got to see it to believe it. Yeah. Uh, don't you just love the old cars in it, though? Austin Healy Sprite. Boggle-eyed Sprite and, and wonderful old cars. Uh, a colleague some lovely cars. saw it and said, I think that's my old Prefect, which, of course, was an old Ford oh, at yes. the time. Hmm. The Ford Prefect. Now, talking uh, not about old cars, but new cars, and Mercedes-Benz have brought out a concept, the X-Class, and it is, in fact, a ute. Brian, I, I think the world has changed and the whole idea of a ute is thrown out the door with this particular vehicle. I think to some degree the ute became a bit emasculated when the family sort of references to taking the kids to the beach and that in the Hilux sort of took away from that original plan of it being the working vehicle to being yes. the sort of multifunctional vehicle. And now they've added another dimension, the luxury one. Would you use it in a rough-and-tumble situation, Brian? Does, would you throw a bale of hay in the back of it? Well, I don't know that you can get it out again. It doesn't seem to have, uh, or, or it's very difficult to see how the hatch works at the rear. David, I, I, people talk about whether we are living in a simulation. Some people believe that it's it's not real and that we're living in a simulation that somebody is running. And every now and then there are glitches in the simulation, like when, for example, at the Oscars, the wrong film is awarded best film. Some people say, yes, that's a glitch. When I look at this car, I'm even more convinced we may well be living in a simulation where the objective is to throw the most amazing things at us and see how we respond. So the X-Class is 
the Donald Trump sort of thing, you know, of let's make this guy president, see what happens. Now let's switch another little button, torment these folk and, and provide a, a macho green yellow Mercedes ute and see what happens with big knobbly tires. What is the world coming to, David? You think it's the Truman Show, do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced I'm being observed and ritually humiliated. Actually, you know, there's a very good point there that I was listening to a thing on the inattention and the person brought it right back to the point that everything is so rushed now, everything's such a huge bombardment of information that we've turned everything into a flight or fight type of reaction. And so this is like throwing in something new purely for entertainment purposes to test and provoke a flight or fight reaction. That it, it's the whole principle of shock, you know, shock, shock radio. It's the whole principle of, of politics now is that it's nothing to do with truth or, or even progression or getting better. It is purely the entertainment value of provoking someone in a stand-up fight-or-flight situation. So, so it's a shock thing. Mm. I mean, does Mercedes-Benz look at their lineup and go, what are we missing in here? Okay, we've got, we haven't got a ute, a crew cab, like a crew cab ute that someone's going to use on a work site. We don't have a people mover, you know, like a, like a minibus. So do, they, do they do this? Do they sort of look at it and go, you know, here's a segment that we clearly need to be in the middle of. Yeah, they actually do have a sort of people mover sort of one, but um, they've done it more like... Like a combi, I'm thinking of, you know. A, well, I well, guess they well, do, camper. don't they? If you want yes. something, mm. a camper, a combi, you want something with a little gas stove in it. Now, but how would you be if, I mean, among other things, are you going to get this thing repaired in the bush? I don't see it happen. No, it's never going to be in the bush. Developers like... You know, wealthy developers will get these things the same way that American movie stars got Humvees around the time of the Gulf War to to provide, I guess, provoke their workforce and provide some sort of weird shock value. It's the sort of thing perhaps you see Andrew Forrest wearing high-vis gear. Perhaps this is what he'll get into, <laughs> you know, with a sort of a faux connection with the workforce. Can you imagine being in a bush pub and telling your mates you've just bought a new uh, ute and, in fact, you sort of uh, repeat the public relations stuff they've written, which comes under the heading pure emotion and modern beauty, dynamism and elegance define the appearance of the concept X-Class, stylish explorer, and make it the perfect companion in urban areas. That's interesting. The elegant white metallic paint finish ensures visual appeal. The athletic design leads the stylish explorer both an expressive and dynamic appearance. Highlights such as the classic SUV front, the broad wheel housing and the 22-inch light alloy wheels. 22-inch. That, that, that'll go over a gutter, won't it? Ultra-low profile tyres. And certainly leather seats, David. You want to make sure you take the tape measure out of your back pocket before you, you get in. So, so, I sorry. This is where the tradie drop pulls up and you say, no thanks, mate, I've, uh, I've changed my mind. Uh, sorry, you said leather. Don't you mean the new buck leather Nubuck. with white yeah. Nappa leather? Nappa uh, leather. Yeah, uh, stylishly played off against each other in the interior. I think that's uh, – I, I don't want to undersell it in any way, bro. No, no. 
the brickies, the brickies will be fascinated by that sort of discussion. Yes. <laughs> now, Brian, do you want your car to talk to you, and perhaps with sage advice and helpful information? I don't want any communication from the car other than something horrible is going on. Like I, I'm very concerned when I get into a bus or a train which has a radio going or if I'm standing on a, a train platform where one of those billboards is playing the news or ads. Yes, so yes. I'm not sure I want I want them to listen to me. Um, I just want them to get me where I'm going the same way that I don't want to talk to a dentist or a hairdresser. Yes, what's well, one of the oldest jokes in the world? A guy sits down to a barber, and the barber says, "How do you want it?" And the guy says, "In silence." Now, Ford wants self-driving cars of the future to be better listeners and observers. Now, Brian, you go back to this. I may have mentioned this before. When you and I, you know, were were younger, a new toy that might have spoke had had like in The Simpsons, you pull the cord at the back and it would repeat one of five messages: "Hello, how are you today? Hello, my name is Krusty the Clown," or something like that. Uh, then they brought in things where you had a toy dog which would wag its tail if you spoke to it. Now they brought in a Barbie doll which is linked to the internet and so can have a conversation. And so you can come back and say, uh, how are you today? Not bad. What are you studying today? I did some physics. Or oh, do you know there are a lot of jobs for physicists and in, in this area? So the Barbie doll becomes a person that can... Converse, of a course, friend and confidant. Yeah, mind you. Of course, if the CIA know about it, they'll be recording your answers, which mm. uh, might be uh, monitoring. Uh, yeah, monitoring it along the way. Well, now talk about doing it in the car. Uh, not only will it be able to listen, but it will also be able to observe. So your head is nodding a bit. Uh, now that sounds like a good road safety thing, but I've got to That's say, a good one. As long as it does it in silence. I don't want it to sort of say, ahem, ahem, or speak to me. It just, you know, maybe shut down or, or raise the, I don't know, the, turn the fan up or something like this or prevent me from driving. But I don't want to have, it, it says here, they want to give the driver a more rich interaction with the voice commands of the vehicle. And they're talking here about, I guess, more than the nodding off thing, but someone saying, I'm hungry or, I'm, or I need coffee. And the car then, I guess, yeah, going, okay, I'll take you to a drive-through food place. Like, I, David, I can talk to my phone now. I, I, can, I have commands, those voice commands that work on my phone. Do you think I use them? No, I do not. Brian, as always, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. That's Brian Smith. And we were talking about the stories that deserve a more weirder look at what they're really trying to say. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to David Saxberg, David Campbell, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments of each of the features by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. 
I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>